to play the instruments. I was blessed. One of the VVA uh, vets said to me today, said, I loved the special music today that the ladies sang. And uh, that blessed my heart. Amen. I said, well, we sure are blessed around here to have so many that contribute and use their talents for the Lord. Last week, in Psalm 137, we looked at God's silent orchestra. And we looked at how they were in a strange place in verse 1 of Psalm 137 in Babylon. And there was their sad ponderings there in verse number 1, again, where it says that they wept when they remembered Zion. And there was the silent prerogative in verse 2. They hung their harps. Harps were for being played. They weren't to be hung on willow trees. And then there was the spiteful petition. Remember the Babylonians said in uh, verse number uh, 3 there, they said, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And then there was the sorrowful proposition. They said, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? And we talked about how sin can silence us as Christians. We can, we can become part of God's silent orchestra. And we mentioned this. An orchestra was never meant to be silent. It was meant for those instruments to sound forth to the glory of God. We looked at Lot who was silenced through compromise with sin. And we looked at David, who was silenced through covering up sin. And then we looked at Peter, who was silenced through cowering in sin. And I were to be careful of each of those. I hope you've noticed, I certainly have, but I hope you've noticed that in these Sunday night messages, that there are so many simple applications for the people of God to be able to use in their own daily lives with God. Amen. I happen to think, Brother Stark, that's the key to preaching. The key to preaching is application. Because otherwise, I could just simply get up here, read the Psalms, pray, and close us. And we go out the door and say, well, that was nice, but when we take a passage of Scripture and expound on it and apply it, how you can use it in your life, that's where it becomes personal and real to you. I think about, again, and I just listened to a few here uh, that, that have applications for the people of God. I think of Psalm 1, the way of blessing from God. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Boy, there's a lot of application for the people of God in that passage right there. You want to be blessed? Listen, don't, don't be in the counsel of the ungodly. Right. Meditate and, and deliberate on this book on a daily basis. I think of other verses. I think of not only the way of blessings from God, but think of the excellency of God in Psalm chapter 8. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And then you know what David did? He went like this. When I consider thy heavens... The stars, the sun and the moon, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Boy, there's some application there, isn't there? Put God in his proper place and you find out you'll be in your proper place pretty quick, amen? Oh, I think about feeling far from God 
And certainly we can all at times feel far from God, but I think of that, that tenth psalm. It starts off with, Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Oh, I think about God's timing in Psalm 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long? There's just times where it seems like God is not on time, is late. But the truth is, He's always on time. I think about Psalm 23. What do you get from Psalm 23? Anybody knows from Psalm 23, you get the comfort of God. How many people have had Psalm 23 read at a memorial service? I had put on a prayer card for a funeral. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Amen. Think about Psalm 27. What do you learn from Psalm 27? Wait thou upon the Lord. In verse 14 it says, Be of good courage, he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Waiting on God. That's certainly applicable, isn't it, church? Amen. Oh, I think about the forgiveness of God. Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 and 2. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. Oh boy, uh, that, that's you if you're a Christian. You know that? You're forgiven. You ought to live forgiven. Amen. Well, I think about Psalm 37. What do we see in Psalm 37? It's actually pretty easy. It's in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land. Verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord. He shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. And trust also in him. And he shall bring it to pass. Trusting in the Lord. Trusting is easy preaching and hard living. But really God calls each one of us. To not only trust Him for salvation, but to trust Him with our lives as we live them. Well, I think about desiring God in Psalm chapter 42. Such a beautiful illustration that God gives. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, the living God. Oh, I think of Psalm 51, the cleansing of God. You remember that was the psalm where David realized what he had done to Uriah and realized, finally, conviction got a hold of him. And you remember what he said in Psalm 51? Have mercy upon me, O God. Boy, that's applicable. Amen. He said, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Oh, I think about Psalm 68, verse 19. It says, it tells us that he daily loadeth us with benefits, the benefits of God. I love that verse, amen. Think about the passage we looked at this morning in Psalm 77. You know what we got from that? The faithfulness of God. When you're in a dark time, you know what can always encourage you? God is faithful. God has not changed, amen. And then Psalm 90, verse uh, 1 through 17, really the, the entire psalm has to do with God's eternality. His eternality. You know what it says there in Psalm chapter 90, verse 1, it says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or even thou hadst formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. God, I encourage you. That's certainly applicable to you and I. 
I think about Psalm 91, his protection. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm 92 and Psalm 100. Psalm 92 verse 1 says, It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord. And Psalm 100 is the Thanksgiving Psalm. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, they recited Psalm 100. You ought to read it. It is the Thanksgiving song. Let us enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Amen. And then I think of Psalm 103, the love of God. In Psalm 103, there's so much in it. It talks about, like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. As high as the heaven is above the earth, so great is his mercy toward us. As far as the east is from the west. He hath removed our transgressions for us. And by the way, so many more, I could go on and on and on. But I want to tell you something. This psalm that we're looking at tonight, in Psalm 139, if you look at it with me, is the most personal of all psalms. It really is. And so we're going to look at four points tonight and some applications as we look at this magnificent psalm. It really is a magnificent psalm. We're going to look, number one, at his perfect attributes. Number two, we're going to look at his personal attention. We're, number three, we're going to look at his parental attitude. And number four, we're going to look at his pure actions. And we're going to look tonight, and this is just really a psalm of praise, and this is a message of praise about our wonderful God. He really is wonderful. He really is, ladies and gentlemen. If we look at this psalm, we can't help but grasp that he, as a matter of fact, it says in verse 6, his such knowledge is too what? Wonderful for me. I, I can't even take it in. He's so wonderful. Have you ever been so blessed like that where you felt like you just couldn't stand any more blessings? I know sometimes you say, I could stand a few less burdens, amen? Uh, that's a little different, but you, you were just so filled with, with goodness and blessings. Forgive me, it's almost like after a good meal and you say, you know what? I don't think I could eat another bite, amen? Well, we're going to look at this psalm tonight. Notice with me his perfect attributes, verses 1 through 10. Verse 1 through 6, we see something here, and we're going to look at these also in his personal attention. But he says here, I really think about, there's two, two attributes particularly that we see here in verses uh, 1 through 12, and they are his omniscience and his omnipresence. Those are big words. You say, what do those words mean, Pastor? Omniscience means all-knowing. Omnipresence means everywhere. And aren't you glad that God is both all-knowing and everywhere? You know, say what you want about the devil. The devil is powerful. He is powerful. He can move quickly. In the book of Job, we find him in the third heaven in the presence of God. And then the next thing we know, he's on earth. He can move around quick, but he's not omnipresent. That means he's not everywhere. God is everywhere. And then again, does the devil know a lot? He certainly does, but he's not omniscient. You know what it says there in verse 2? It really is, is the sum of verse 2 is in two words. It says right there, those first two words, Psalm 139, verse 2, it says, Thou knowest. You know what, Christian? 
you can take comfort in the fact that God knows. If you do something behind the scenes and nobody knows about it, God knows. Huh? God knows. If you have been hurt, and rather than broadcast on a TV show about you being hurt, you can simply say, God knows. God knows. Thou knowest, it says in verse 2. And then it says it again in verse 3. Thou compassest my path, my lying down, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, look what it says. Thou knowest it all together. His perfect attributes, His omniscience. But then, and we see that all through, all the way down through verse 6. But then in verse 7, it starts and talks about another one of His wonderful attributes. His perfect attributes. Look at verse 7. He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit, or whither shall I flee from thy presence? And then he gives us an if here. It's, it's rhetorical. He says, I want to show you this. He says, if I ascend up into heaven, well, you're there. I mean, heaven is the dwelling place of God, is it not? Amen. Then he says this, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, and he's speaking of Sheol, the center of the earth here. He's not talking necessarily about the heaven and hell we know. He's talking about the middle. But he's basically saying, if I go in the center of the earth, you're there. You're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day, and the darkness and the light are both alike to thee. What does he say, God? He says, God, you are, you are everywhere. That ought to comfort you tonight. God's everywhere. God knows all. Our wonderful God is omniscient and omnipresent. By the way, there's more attributes than just that. We know He's omnipotent. What does that mean? He's all-powerful. We're going to see uh, later that He's the Creator here. You know what else He is? I love this attribute of our God. He's immutable. You know what that means? He does not change. That's why... I have been saying for 25 years of preaching, you can depend on this old King James Bible. God does not change. If he, if he said it, He wrote it, and if He wrote it, you can depend on it. His perfect attributes. Then, look with me throughout this psalm. His personal attention. His personal attention. And this is where we see, if you were to look at verses 1 through 24, you would find the words me, my, mine, and I, not in a selfish way, but you would find them 48 times. Say, so what does that mean, Pastor? Not only is our God perfect in everywhere and all-knowing, 
But He cares about each one of us. He cares about us as individuals. You want to see some things tonight? I hope you do. Look at your Bible with me there in verse 1. What's the first thing we see about His personal attention? Lord, Thou hast what? Okay? So He searches you. He searches you. He wants to know the real you. He wants to know your heart. He wants to know if you really love Him. He wants to know. I wish I could say always, but I can't. But He wants to know. He searches us. You know what else it says in verse 1 and 2 and 4? Look what it says. It says, Thou hast searched me and what? Thou knowest my down sitting and mine uprising. Verse 4, There is not a word in my tongue, but Lord, O Lord, Thou knowest it. Nobody knows you like God Almighty. He knows the most infinitesimal part of you. You know what always gets me in that is when Jesus said in the New Testament, He said, He knows the hairs of our head. Now I realize for some of you men, that's not that big a deal. I'm just kidding, amen? No, it's a big deal. That's a lot. That, that, you know what that is? That's an unbelievable number to know the exact amount of, and yet He does. That's how wonderful He is. You know, by the way, listen, He knows what bothers you. He knows what besets you. He knows your hurts and your aches. He knows you. He knows you. I always think about that when we pray for somebody who's sick. We say, God, you know this body. You created it. Help them. Heal them. Give, give wisdom in that. So he searches you. He knows you. According to verse 2, if you look there, it says, Thou knowest mine down, sitting, mine uprising. Thou understandest. He understands you. He understands what you're thinking. He understands your thought process. He understands your fears. He understands your worries. And by the way, He told us, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. In 1 Peter 5, 7. He understands you. He knows you. He searches you. Verse 3. with my past and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. What do we see there? If you look there, I'm sorry, I read verse 3, verse 2. Thou knowest my down sitting, my uprising, and my thought afar off. He understands, he searches you, he knows you, he understands you. Verse 3, thou compasseth my path, he walks with you. He walks with you. Can I tell you something? God created you for fellowship. That's why He created Adam and Eve. He walks with you. I'm going to say to my son right now, if you continue to talk while I'm preaching, I'm going to come up here and make you preach. 
Yes, you, son. Don't continue speaking while I'm preaching. And all God's people said, and especially you should be saying yes, sir, right about now. I hate embarrassing my kids, but if they're talking during preaching, they deserve a Marine Corps red flag embarrassment. Not that the Marine Corps is embarrassing, Brother Merrill, amen. But their flag is red and so is his face right now. Listen, I'm not preaching to just blow steam tonight. He walks with you. You know what? You're going to find out one day you're going to need him walking with you. Then it says in verse 3, Thou compasseth my path, my lying down, and art acquainted with all my ways. He's acquainted with you. He's acquainted with, and I love what he says here, all of his ways. He knows, he knows the temptations that bother you. He knows those, those words that hurt you. By the way, he knows how to strengthen you because he's acquainted with you. He knows things that you do well at. He's acquainted with you. Oh, here's one, verse 5. <laughs> how appropriate. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. He deals with you. <laughs> a father deals with their children. A mother deals with their children. I've seen some children in Walmart that I wanted to deal with. <laughs> but it's not my place. They're not mine. You know what we learned here? He said, you know, you, you, you put your hand on me when I needed it. You've dealt with me. By the way, that is one of the best and most clear assurances that you are a child of God. Amen. Is that when you sin, you go astray, He deals with you. He never deals with you. Yeah, I, I would be careful. I would, I would, if I was you, I'd bow my head and trust Christ. Amen. I'm not trying to talk anybody out of salvation. I'm saying that God deals with His children. Thank God He's gentle. He's loving. He deals with us. He deals with you. How about verse 10? Even there shall thy hand what? He not only walks with us and understands you and, and searches you and knows you and is acquainted with you and deals with you, he leads you. He leads you. Aren't you glad he is that good shepherd? that leadeth the sheep beside the still waters and into the green pastures. He leads you. How about this, verse 10, a little further. Even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall what? You know what that tells me? He protects you. He protects you. Well, I'd be glad about that. I'm glad about that. When I think about that, I, I apply all this to me. I hope you apply it all to you. It's personal. David said, he's done all this for me. You've done all this for me, God. Look what he says in verse 11, like this. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even night shall be light about me. What do you say there? He gives you light. We talked about darkness this morning. You know what the blessing is? The presence of God. The love of God, the Word of God can give you light in a dark place. When everybody else is walking in darkness, you don't have to stumble because you have the light of the world. How about the last one? All right, I got two more. Verses 13 through 16, we learn 
says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. What do we see there? Well, you can keep reading and read down through verse 16. Find this. He created you. He created you. By the way, this, these verses right here are some of the most powerful verses against what we call the sin of aborticide. So what's aborticide? That is killing a baby in the womb that otherwise would be born healthy. Amen. Think about that. Uh, you know, they always talk about, well, it's, it's not really a person. It is if you leave it alone for nine months. It's just amazing. I saw a great graph, and it, it had a, a lady, and she had a baby on the outside, Brother Boston, and was holding this beautiful little baby. And it said, person. And then right next to it, it had the baby on the inside. Just probably about a week later, it said, still a person. Yeah. God created you. Look at verse 18. Verse number 18. See something else there. He said, if I should count them, we'll look at that in just a moment, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still what? He's with you. Oh, that promise in the New Testament, how precious is it? What is it? Let thy conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. Hebrews 13 and verse 5 says, For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. He's with you. He's with you. See, it's nice that he was with David, but David's dead. Aren't you glad he's with you? Aren't you glad he gives you light? Aren't you glad he protects you? Aren't you glad he leads you and deals with you and is acquainted with you and walks with you and understands you and knows you and searches you? No, he's wonderful because of his personal attention. That he gives to you. He's wonderful because of his per perfect attributes. He's wonderful because of his parental attitude. I love this passage. Verses 17 and 18. Look at it with me, church. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. See, this is a parental attitude. Parents, when they're born, and they're just sitting there, cooing, in the jumper seat, you got them all strapped in, and they're... And you're just looking at them, and you can't stop looking at them. Nobody else looks at them that way. Maybe grandparents, but forgive me, grandparents come for a little while and then ship them back to you. Amen? Amen. I'm telling you, as parents, those little mush balls, we can't take our eyes off of them. I used to absolutely love to watch my children sleep. Not during church. Some of them wish they were sleeping right now, amen. 
But I remember when I would preach on Sunday night, Brother Boston, and uh, Luke and Eric would be little, and they'd be both zonked out on that first pew or the break, and I'd say, boy, I know I preached a good one uh, tonight, because I, I I'm serious, I used to just miss Kim, I just loved to look at them while they were sleeping and just how precious. And I, I was thinking about them and I was thinking about how they'd grow up and I was thinking about how they'd be talking in church while I was preaching. And I was thinking about, no, I was thinking about what would happen in their lives and uh, when they get married and have their own families and just thinking about all these precious thoughts. And I want to tell you something, your God thinks that way about you all the time. He gives us an illustration so we see his precious thoughts, but we see his prodigious thoughts. Say, so what, what does prodigious mean? It means huge. Large amount. Look what it says in verse 18. If I should count them, let me just start here. One, two, three, four, five. Well, let's keep going here. It says, if I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Well, John, I got to five. But I think it's about five million, trillion, billion, gazillion, gajillion. More than that. Yeah. Quote Mr. Merrill. More than that. Amen. I like in the Revelation when it says that there are people all around the throne. It says eh, there's thousands of thousands, and then it says and thousands more thousands. Amen. He's, what's he trying to say? A bunch. Listen to me. Christian, child of God, God can't stop thinking about you. See, we always, we always picture God with the club. Let's picture him with the club, just waiting for us to mess up. He knows, he are, forgive me, he already died for our mess ups. That means he already knows them. But you get, you get this and get this well. Our wonderful God can't stop thinking about us. His thoughts are precious towards us. Just like us looking at those little babies. Parent, his parental attitude, precious thoughts, prodigious thoughts. He thinks about you and I all the time. And I like what he said to his children in captivity in Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11. He said, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Thoughts of peace. Not of evil. To give you an expected end. You know what that expected end means? It means a hopeful conclusion. And you know what our hopeful conclusion is one day? I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. God is perfect in His attributes. Our wonderful God is wonderful because of His personal attention. He's wonderful because of His parental attitude. He's wonderful because of His pure actions. We see in verses 19 through 22 the judgment of the sinful. Listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The sinful, those that will not come to God for forgiveness that He offers will be righteously judged. Uh, I hear some, sometimes when people say God is not fair. He's going to be fair at this judgment. He's going to be completely fair. By the way, you don't want Him to be fair. You want Him to be merciful. Amen? His pure actions and the judgment of the sinful, but then also the judgment of the saints. Look at verses 23 and 24, and I'll, I'll give you some applications and we'll be done and get Pastor Ben on the road here. 
Hope you heard that in the nursery preacher. By the way, I need you to deal with one of your teenagers as well. Amen. What does he say in verses 23, 24? We know these verses. He says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What was he saying here? He's saying, he's saying, God, because you are so wonderful, here's what, I, here's what I, I want you to do. I want you to judge me. I want you to judge me. I'm giving you permission to search every bit of me. You already know me. He already talked about that in verse 1. He said, you search me, you know me. But now he says it again. He says, please judge me. And in essence, he says this. He says, help me to judge myself. Don't we learn that at the Lord's table? When we observe the Lord's table? One of the great privileges of the church age is self-judgment. What does he say? If we judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So he's wonderful because of his pure actions. He's wonderful because of his parental attitude. He's wonderful because of his personal attention. He's wonderful because of his perfect attributes. What do we do, Pastor? We know all that. Amen. It's all personal. Amen. For each of us. What do we do? Here's, here's what I'm going to try to do. Here's what I would recommend to you. Worship Him. Worship is a verb. It's not just what we do on Sunday. It's what we do every day that ends in Y. Amen? Worship Him. Live your life pleasing to Him. Not only worship Him, but I'll tell you what, we need to do this more. We need to stand in awe of Him. It would do each one of us well. To just, on a starry night, whether you go into your backyard, or you get in your vehicle and go to a quiet spot, and just look up. And realize that our Heavenly Father, just stand in awe of Him. Hey, if you need something to stand in awe at, how about right up there? The cross of Christ. The plan of God. The love of God. Just take some time and worship Him and stand in awe of our wonderful God. Why? Because He knows everything. Why? Because He's everywhere. He created everything. Worship Him. Stand in awe of Him. How about this? It goes without saying. Love Him. This is the first and great commandment. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Why? Because he's so wonderful. He's certainly worthy of our love. He certainly has her. He sure loves us. By the way, whether we love him back or not, he still loves us, which makes me want to love him more. There's, there is no love like loving the unlovely. God loves the unlovely. Didn't he tell us to love our enemies? How can we do that? Only when we love him like we should. Worship Him, stand in awe of Him, love Him. Oh, I hope this message has accomplished this. Praise Him. Praise Him. You know, have praise on your lips. When somebody asks you, how are you doing today? You can say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm doing good by God's grace. Huh? There's lots of ways to praise the Lord. But I, I, would, I would encourage you in your home to have a hymnal in your home. And sing about him. 
Sing in the morning, Pastor Alex mentioned, so important. I try almost most of the day long to have godly Christian music playing because it sets my spirit to praise. Wrong music, not praise. Right music, praise. And then lastly, worship Him, stand in awe of Him, love Him, praise Him. Ask Him to lead, guide, help, search, cleanse. Fill in the blank. He's there for the asking. He's wonderful. He'll answer. But you got to ask. You have not because you ask not. A wonderful God. He's wonderful in His perfect attributes, His personal attention, His parental attitude, His pure actions. What should we do? Worship Him, stand in awe of Him, love Him, praise Him, and ask Him. Father, bless now in our invitation time. May not one grieve, quench, or resist.